Augmenters. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we know that great leaders have great mentors. And today we are joined by an amazing mentor, Lisa Gable, a leader whose career has spanned from business to government to UN delegate to US ambassador. She's going to share how shared objectives make impactful mentoring. Lisa lays out a path better mentoring relationships. She will show you how to connect better with others by following the formula. If you get a playbook, take the playbook. She'll also give us great examples on how to grow to your potential. My takeaway was when given an opportunity, take it. The door is open. Walk right through it and stay as long as you can on the other side. This entire episode is around a compound principle. We're putting it together this time. It is both vision and evolution. Lisa connects better than any other guest we've had. You need to see where you want to go, manifest it, and then be ready to evolve on the other side in change so that you can then help others manifest your vision. Here we go. Here we are today. We have Lisa Gable with us. I am so excited for this conversation. Lisa is incredible, a total powerhouse, CEO of several organizations, former presidential appointee, U.S. ambassador, U.N. delegate, advisor to Fortune 500, companies, an incredible woman who has done incredible things. And I am so excited to get to have this conversation with you about mentoring, which I know is a topic that is really important to you. And of all the things you've done, all the different probably mentors who have come your way and the people you have mentored. So I'm really excited to chat about this, Lisa. So thank you for coming on with us today. Well, I appreciate your having me. And as we talked about earlier, it is one of my favorite topics and something that's so important to me. Me too. Me too. So Lisa, how we generally have our guests introduce themselves is we know that mentors are generally people who believed in you before you believed in yourself. So we'd love to know who that was for you and what they saw in you early on in your life or career. Well, my mentor and I met through a really unusual circumstance, which is that I was assigned to accompany her to uh, the West Wing of the White House. I was working there. Her name is Barbara Barrett, and she was up for the position of Deputy Administrator of the FAA. However, my boss, Bob Tuttle, who later ended up being the ambassador to the United Kingdom, was running late. He ran two hours late. So Barbara and I sat in the basement of the White House and we had a conversation and I was going to graduate school at night. And let me tell you, there was not one topic that we did not cover. However, one of the things that occurred is she asked me what I was writing my thesis on. And I was explained it was about uh, the dual use capabilities of semiconductors and supercomputers. And she said, oh, you need to meet my husband, Craig Barrett, sometime. He's senior vice president of this small company, billion dollar company called Intel Corporation. <laughs> and so Barbara ended up taking me out once a month while we were working in Washington together. She was convinced I wasn't eating because I was uh, going to graduate school at night and also working, you know, for a fairly low salary at the White House. They didn't pay us much back then for the honor and the privilege. Yeah. And then she introduced me to Craig. And so I've had this powerhouse couple that really during the first 15 years of my career made introductions for me, helped me identify both presidential and uh, government, as well as business boards and nonprofit boards. They really are one of the reasons why I've had the success that I've had, and I owe them a great deal. Wow. So it sounds like they were able, she was able to really identify what you, you know, she could see something in you right away. She could identify maybe what you were, you know, help you identify where you were going and then help make 
open doors for you along the way. I'm curious, Lisa, though, that's a big mindset shift, I imagine. How did you feel when she said, like, here's this opportunity for you? I really want to introduce you to this person. Did you feel like, yeah, great, you know, I'm sure they've been waiting to meet me? Or did you feel like, oh my God, like, how did you? How did you kind of adjust your mindset to be ready for that kind of a a conversation? She'd always talked about Craig when we were having uh, dinner together. However, what happened is that I was starting to look for jobs. Another mentor Mm -hmm. of mine, Elaine Chow, uh, who later became Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Labor. Elaine was making these appointments for me and helping me set up interviews. And so Barbara and I were having dinner. We're talking about the interviews that Elaine was setting up. And I said, oh, I saw uh, the front cover of Newsweek that Craig was on it. And basically what the cover said is who will be the next leader of Intel Corporation. And it had four people's pictures on it. And I said, you know, can I just talk to Craig? And he came into town about a month later. It was about three months before the end of the Reagan administration. We had breakfast. I was on my way to Taiwan after the end of the Reagan administration to study Chinese and work. And Craig said, you know what, give me a chance. Come work for me for six months, delay going to Taiwan and see what you think about working in the semiconductor industry. And so it was a match made in heaven. I literally worked on the inauguration under uh, George H.W. Bush and then flew out to Arizona to work in a manufacturing site in Chandler, Arizona. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. But really, again, like, what was your mindset? Were you like, because I, I feel like, you know, we are close to 100 episodes at Augmenters, and we talk a lot about mentoring. And we know there is a mentee mindset that sometimes is a little bit hard to get to, right? Where there is like a belief that you are supposed to be there and be in that conversation. Was that was that innate to you? Because sometimes it can be quite innate to me, but I think it's not for everybody. So yeah, what were, what were you thinking? You know, I'd say I'm, I'm a, was a bit incorrigible as a young person. I <laughs> made a determination I was going to uh, get this one scholarship to my graduate program and started writing letters to the chairman of the board of the foundation that granted the scholarship when I was 18 years old. So I sent that lady letters every single summer and I said, okay, here's what I've been working on. This is why I'm going to qualify for your scholarship. So my dad and I had a deal, which was I had to get my first internships in Washington. He would help me get those first internships. And then I had to get the rest. And so by having my father open the door, stick me in the opportunity, but then pull out and say, okay, I've made the introduction for you. You've got what it takes to move forward, but you need to do it yourself. And I think that is the framework that I have used with a lot of young people that has worked over the past, uh, you know, almost doing this now for 30 years of mentoring, which is open the door, you find someone, you guide them in what they're doing in those initial opportunities. Trust me, there were times I screwed up and my father would like put his, you know, his uh, head in his hands going, okay, that was not a wise thing to say. You never do that. You don't put someone in a corner, but by having a mentor who could guide me through the growing up periods of my professional career, but then leave it to me to actually open future doors, they would always offer a letter of recommendation, but I had to actually be the one who initiated the contact. And I think that is a really good framework for any mentee mentoring relationship. I love that. I love that. And you have you had the determination and the drive to be there, right? Nobody's going to do it for you, but you were able to sort of open, you were able to see like, okay, if this door is open for me, here's how I have to go through it. I have a daughter who's about to graduate college or who will graduate college in June. And so we're also in that conversations where it's like, okay, I know people, I'll open the door for you, but you 
have to be the one to, you know, to get through it. And I think mentors feel the same way because you don't, you know, I'm sure there's times too, you set somebody up and they kind of drop the ball and, you know, that's okay. That happens. That happens to all of us. So I love to talk a little bit about your book, which is amazing, a bestseller on basically on turnarounds and like what happens when things are going south. It's called Turnaround, How to Change Course When Things Are Going South. And I love the topic. I think people really panic about what happens when things don't go well. And I'm curious in these kind of situations, first of all, I'd love to hear a little bit about the book and how you came to write it. What are mentors? How do mentors show up in a turnaround? Because I have a theory, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, mentoring and partnership and relationship building are key component parts of the book. What the book focuses on is a four-step process, which is visualize the future. What do you want the world to look like? You obviously don't want it to look like it looks right now. However, in order to make change, you need to break down the past. You've got to figure out what's the underlying cause of what went wrong. What are the things that need to change? What caused the situation that we're in? And once you identify and audit those component parts, you begin a process of ranking and rating. What you're doing is building yourself with a path from the past to the future. And so you've you've done your audit. You then say, these are the things we're currently doing. Let's rank and rate what those activities are, those expenditures, and how they will or will not help us get to the future state that we want. And you stop mm. doing stuff and you focus, focus, focus. It is one thing I learned at Intel was a lot of focus. Job one, job two, job three. That's it. Nothing else. And when you've done that careful work, you can run really, really fast to achieving your objective because you've put a process in place to analyze and rank and rate throughout your movement, setting objectives and key results to move to your future state. Mentoring comes into play in the book. And I also talk a great deal about partnerships. I think I use the word partnership something like 70 times. <laughs> I actually had a, a person who's working for me just count up how many times I said it. And I see mentorship as a partnership, right? Mm. It's your first partnership. It's where you align your interest with another human being, or better yet, where they've aligned their interest with you. And when you learn to take action that helps meet the need of another person while simultaneously achieving the objective that you both believe is important, whether that's a mentee or mentor relationship, whether that is a partnership with an equal and a peer, it doesn't matter. It speaks to alignment doing things in a manner that you know will reflect positively on another person and mm -hmm. secondarily having the ability to do the assessment real time with someone else that enables you to understand what went wrong and what you need to do to change it. Okay. So let me make sure I get this. So you're seeing this as that a mentor mentee relationship is a partnership between the mentor and the mentee, and they're working together to fulfill an objective. Yes, absolutely. And that can be everything from building a more inclusive workplace. It could be a mentor-mentee relationship where you're supporting a mentee in potentially like incredible sustainability, you know, drive that they have or something that they really want to do to change the world. Or it could be just an objective of just being closer to another human, of just having the chance to feel more connected to other people. Are, the, are those, am I on track? Those are great examples. And, you know, if we look at my relationship with the Barretts, Barbara always had a strong interest in ensuring that women were able to accelerate through the, to the top. She knew it required other people weighing in and supporting them at that process. Barbara would later become Secretary of the Air Force and a U.S. Ambassador to Finland. So she got- Snaps to Barbara. Uh, <laughs> so she did okay. 
but um, but she was also dedicated in throughout her career to ensuring that the United States maintained an industrial base, which would allow our economy to function, allow us to maintain relationships with other countries, and also keep freedom in place. We shared those common objectives. And so it was to her advantage, if you put it that way, to mentor young women who would then help achieve the objectives that were a driving force for her. And that's how I view the world. It's to my advantage to mentor other people to achieve objectives that I want to see in place as I get older and as I advance through life, because they're things that I feel very confidently are important to supporting what I call free people and free markets. And that is a guiding force in my life. And I do that. I do have a special place in my heart for women. So I mentor a lot of women, but I also mentor a number of, of men from diverse backgrounds too. Wow. I This is this is really a mind blow. I wish Jimmy was here because his head would be like exploding. But I love this idea of this partnership to work together towards an objective because I don't think we've heard that before. And I think that that's a really important framework when people are considering why to be a mentor or why to look for mentees, but especially thinking about why to be a mentor. I think people feel like they kind of should, sounds like sounds good, but they don't really know maybe why they're doing it. But I love that because it adds a lot of intention. Then you're really intentional in who you're mentoring and what kind of objectives. And you're then looking for a mentee who wants to work together with you to achieve those objectives as well. Right. Your mentees are your legacy. And so my husband was at Apple. And one of the things I've noticed about the Apple alumni is what is the what was the goal of Apple? It was to create great products that were easy for people to use to do great things. That's what Apple was about. And so there's this entire alumni network that focuses on that in their mentor relationship. Relationships is what my husband focuses on. A, a young man who he ended up mentoring uh, in the sort of about 10 years ago is one of the leaders in creating small modular nuclear reactors, something that Whoa. he is so important for climate change. And, and again, the simplicity of the model is what is enticing my husband to help him as well as the clarity of the vision. And so as a mentor, you will be more successful if you start putting it within the context of your legacy. And that's not selfish. Your legacy can ensure that we have a more diverse workforce. Your legacy can ensure that we have more women at the table. Yeah. Because you're like me, Lisa, I want to do a hundred million things, but I just don't have time to do all of them. That's the way partnerships work too. If you if you find people who want to get to the end point in the world that you want to get to, then why not choose that as your framework for mentoring? It allows you to empower it as opposed to see it as an obligation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. I would love to go back to the turnaround because I had a theory that I believe, depending upon what kind of turnaround we're talking about, and I, I think you're, you're speaking of very large turnarounds, which I believe like even our global turnaround that we need. But I think people sometimes when they are in trouble and things are going bad, they isolate, yep. they close in, they have a fear of sharing and they have a fear of reaching out to partners. They have a fear of asking for help. And I think this is really true of a lot of leaders. They'll take it some time before they really really are able to say like, okay, we really need help. Who do I need help from? So do you have any kind of, if, you know, we have a listener who's kind of in that point where they're, they really do need to reach out. Perhaps they're listening to this podcast because they know they need a mentor. How do you kind of get out of your head? Well, one thing that will happen is that you'll reach out and you're going to discover that someone is so happy that you did. People say I'm very direct. It was actually a pro and a con on every review that I had at Intel. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lisa's very direct. But here's one advantage of being very direct is that by putting on the table the thing that I know is the elephant in the room that no one else is talking about, it opens up a whole level of conversation. Most people aren't brave enough to do that. Most people aren't brave enough to reach out to another person and say, I need help. Or can I be of help to you? But the reality is what you will discover is not only do you collect one person, you all of a sudden start building a community of other people who were wanting to, to say the same thing and they hear you say it. And so they join your party. You become the Pied Piper. And yeah. so don't hesitate. I will tell you if there's an elephant in the room and it's dancing on the table with a purple tutu on and maybe a few sparkles on top of its head because of the crown, everybody else sees it too. Just call it out and say, has anybody else seen this? Would you help? I think I can do the following things to help with that problem. Will you help me get there? And people are looking for armies. They're looking for armies to solve the complex problems that we have today. And there's no shame in having problems. We're humans. We are humans trying to do incredibly massive, complicated human things, and we need other humans to help us. Nobody knows how to do it perfectly. And I love your point, Lisa. I know how I feel when somebody reaches out to me and says, I, I need some help with this. I mean, wow. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. It's such a gift when somebody reaches out and actually asks you for help. So you're actually doing service to somebody else. And it's a relief, right? There's there's a way that uh, you are going, oh, thank God they asked because I that's been bugging me too. I'm so <laughs> glad to have somebody else I can talk to about this. I'm glad I'm not the crazy one in the room. And let's solve it. And let's solve it. I love that. I love that. Cool. So I now we're going to pivot. I am so excited to talk to you about the future. A little bit of what we chatted about. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your initiative on Future 2050, so where you're seeing the world going in a lot of different ways. I just wanted to say we, Jimmy and I as Augmenters, know that technology is where everything is going. We, however, feel like we're sort of doubling down on humans, and we really believe there will still be a role for these deep human connections that don't necessarily have a tech aspect to it. Of course, we're talking on a computer, so there's a tech aspect to it, but just those deep connections between two people. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your vision for 2050 and then maybe how you see mentoring and, and whether or not you think we're on track. Maybe we're not. Maybe it needs to all be tech. And Well, I was very honored when one of my mentees, Anna Rold, who is the founder of Diplomatic Career Media Network, which is a magazine as well as a media network, asked me if I would chair her futuristic tank, The World in 2050. Anna and I have had a relationship for going on 17 years now. I met her when she was 26 years old. She sat down with me and she said, I want to start a magazine and I want it to be a foreign policy magazine and I want these people writing in it and I want it to be beautiful. Will you join my board? I was her second board member. So talk about a long uh, mentor-mentee relationship. And so Anna has become quite a force within uh, conversations at uh, the UN General Assembly, at Davos and other places. And she asked me to be the chair. The world in 2050 is looking at key mega trends that we need to get right in order to have the world arrive well in 2050. And so that covers things like quantum and AI. But one of the other things that we, in education, which seem the normal things, but one of the else, others that we're talking about is the, the rise of anxiety, right? That we have this level of anxiety. How do we address anxiety and happiness? And so we have seven different megatrends that we're looking at. And we focus and believe our sweet spot is building uncommon partnerships. You mm. talked about the need for human interaction. And what I speak to often is to reach these goals that we have 
we need smarter humans. One of the things about my work in AI is not that I know anything about AI. I have things that I want it to accomplish. There are big problems. We talk about turnarounds that I have been told by some high level people with backgrounds in the category could be solved through AI. But what I've learned is that you need smarter humans managing the process. I spend a great deal of my time reading the works of of philosophers throughout history, whether it's Socrates, Aristotle, the Bible, the Tocqueville, uh, the Founding Fathers, grounding myself and understanding what were the challenges that were faced in history, the conversations that people were having. Socrates and Aristotle spent a lot, and Ben Franklin spent a lot of time writing and talking about the personalities that they're dealing with. And you know what? Personalities haven't changed. Technology. <laughs> people are still peopling. <laughs> It not only gives you a comfort that it's always comes down to the people and how yeah. people behave and whether or not there's hubris in the situation or uh, someone has overspent on something and therefore it's causing the organization to have uh, fault lines. That's been the situation throughout history. And so there's the, the comfort of knowing that you are part of a historical process, that you're all facing the same considerations, that people are people. And by helping as a mentor to get the person you're working with who's so overwhelmed and think it's unique to where we are today to recognize that we are one small pebble in that, in that ripple effect that's started at the beginning of time and that the world is not going to rise or fall based on what we do. However, it can become more positive if we apply good thinking to solving a problem. And so like you, I focus on the human aspect of this. It's one reason mentoring is important to me. I mentor people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, because in 2050, I will be 86 years old <laughs> to arrive well. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that. And I love that framework. And that is a good reminder, right? The things that we are experiencing may feel that you know we're terminally unique, but really going back in time and seeing how things have evolved over time. And we love studying the history of mentors over time as well. It's really amazing to see how these connections have propelled different solutions and different civilizations forward. So that's, that is a great reminder. And I'm happy to hear that you're also on board with with the humans and that we need, we need the humans. Um, a quick question for you, as I can imagine, so many people reach out to you for, you know, initial conversations for mm -hmm. potential, you know, mentoring advice, what really works with you and what really kind of doesn't, you know, I have a lot of people who reach out on LinkedIn and some people are more aggressive than others. Uh, and so, and, and also some people are very transactional. I don't do well with transactional relationships. It's not who I am. It's one thing I hate about Washington, D.C., even though I've been in and out of this town for 40 years, I don't like a transactional mindset. What I do, though, is if someone reaches out to me with a particular problem and they say, I read your book and I tried, you know, chapter three, page, whatever, and it's not working, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. And I do do try to answer all of the outreach that I receive on LinkedIn. I can't meet with everyone. I have prioritized certain groups of people that I will spend time with because I don't have the time. I'm part of a group called Chief and I have met. And one reason I joined it is I'm much older than most women in Chief. Most of the women in Chief are uh, senior levels in their careers, but they're still in their 40s and early 50s. But I joined Chief so that I could have that relationship. So I could actually stay on top of recent trends. They mentor me. 
me. They have been just absolutely fabulous in teaching me how to do things on LinkedIn and other places that I wouldn't have understood. But I can also provide them the support they need to be successful in the senior roles that they have. I also have had a a group of young Black men who are in their mid-30s that have been reading my book and have reached out to me. And it's been so much fun for me to uh, meet with them, build relationships with them, connect them to each other and see that there is now, uh, due to those connections, this very vibrant community of young men who are looking to be the first in a career because they may have been the first person to go to college in their family. They may be an immigrant. They may be the first person who is advancing at the levels that they're advancing in their family. I want to make sure that I can help them get there. I love that. I love that. And that that sounds like you're kind of using that filter of objective a little bit with some of these conversations and relationships. Like, is this, the, are we a match? Are we, are we going to have a relationship that works towards, I think, as you shared, sort of some of those mutual goals. And also big shout out, Chief. I have been a Chief member, I think coming up on two years, about to join for my third year. And the network is amazing. It yeah. is amazing. And how people are really willing, you know, it, it, it works if you work it, right? I mean, you have to be involved, but I think the more involved you are and the more opportunities, certainly when it comes to mental and people that you get a chance to meet. So I love that. We're just about to wrap up our time. Is there anything else you'd like to say or any other mentors you'd like to give a shout out to or, or anything else on the topic you'd like to share? Sure. You know, I was asked yesterday to read the book, um, which is a memoir of one of the women I met through Chief. And one thing that I found through Chief is I've met a lot of women who've immigrated to the United States and their stories are just incredible. They're just amazing. And if there's anybody that you really want to help and give a leg up to is one of those women who came to this country with nothing. This woman actually came to the country at the age of 16, 17 with a single, with a child. And it was incredible what she did and and being able to help her, being able to help somebody who who has overcome so much and get them over that last hurdle in their career. I couldn't think of anything that creates the greatest satisfaction for me. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I love that, Lisa. We usually end our time with a rapid fire word association that Jimmy always runs, but since he is not here today, I'm going to try to do it and then he can let me know how I did. So (laughs) don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Just the first thing that came to mind. When I say mentor, you say, (laughs) I say honor rolled. Ooh, I like that. A mentee. My daughter. Sponsor. Barbara Barrett. And coach. Michelle Woodward. I love it. I love it. Great. Very, very specific, which we love. So we love, we love those shout outs. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to get to spend this time with you. Your book is amazing. You are amazing. We're following you uh, certainly on LinkedIn because you have so many great LinkedIn events and different things that you're doing. And we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. So how'd I do without you? You did great. It wasn't as fun. I don't think I'm going to show up ever again. You don't need me. <laughs> I really enjoyed Lisa. And I think of most of our guests, I'd say Lisa is just so focused. I loved her just concept of like having an objective in this relationship and really knowing what you're doing, what you're going in for. It feels like that's very much how Lisa operates is really focused on you know what an outcome would be. So I bet she has a lot of success in her mentoring relationships. That's what it seemed like to me. Agreed. And I think she has a lot of success in Henerale. We have not had somebody yet on an Augmenters interview mention OKRs as part of 
a mentoring relationship for all of our listeners out there. And OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results. It's a framework to help businesses define and measure their goals. So Lisa is obviously just got such a wonderfully clear picture in her mind of how she wants relationships and really how she wants to spend her resources, which yeah. in her eyes, her time is her most valuable resource. She made it crystal clear for me. And as just a listener, that's a good thing I was uh, riding my stationary bike while uh, listening to the rock cut because I, I was amped. I was like, all right, l- let's do something. I love that. I love that. That's always, always good to bring together the uh, physical and the mental activities. And I think Lisa would definitely approve. And I was thinking a lot about my own mentoring actually after the conversation with Lisa in a way that I kind of hadn't otherwise and allowing me to kind of step back to look at the objective and the purpose of some of the mentoring I'm doing and the mentors I'm looking for and almost sort of creating a little bit of a vision statement of like, what are we sort of working towards? And I had an awesome conversation with a mentee afterwards, and we had a chance to talk a little bit more about it. So I'd say Lisa really gave me a framework. It's not quite an OKR. That is a little bit triggering for me, but I think the, I think <laughs> the, the systems, no, not for no, do no, not you, you're fine. In. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. I so I, great, I, I got a lot of that. It's yeah. really exciting, Julie, that you were able to adapt it right away to, and it kind of like with like a, bevy of, you know, like, let's call it like talent, skills, drive, knowledge, uh, relationships that Lisa has. Like, it, it only makes sense that she has to prioritize who she spends time with. You know, that's not always the case for a lot of mentors that they can, they can prioritize or need to really, or else yeah. all she'd be doing 40 hours a week is having one hour meetings. And she's got so much energy, so much energy. So I can imagine 40 hours a week of mentoring would be exhausting, but loved uh, chatting with Lisa. Her book is phenomenal. Her work is phenomenal. Definitely a person to connect with on LinkedIn and keep an eye on. And uh, I really love the conversation. And I definitely always have more fun when you're around, Jimmy. Oh, that's very kind of you. Julie, we can't sleep. We have to quickly say about how Lisa taught us how to connect better with others, which was follow the formula. She said, this is for all you listeners still listening right now. If you want to get a meeting with Lisa Gable, go back. I think it's going to be like somewhere like in the 20th minute of the podcast. She tells you exactly how to send her a LinkedIn message that will get a response. And I guarantee that if you send her three LinkedIn messages following the exact playbook about mentioning a page number in her book with a specific attempt you made that had an outcome you were surprised in and you wanted to ask her a question about it, I guarantee you're going to get that uh, meeting with her and then send the augmenters a note and say, thank you for helping me meet with Lisa Gable. And we're going to say, welcome. And my takeaway, the memory I had was when she went to a meeting in the White House and it was in the basement and her boss was two hours late and her boss became another ambassador down the road. And the woman she met with became like an undersecretary down the road. But she said she had two hours in her mid twenties with somebody in their early thirties. And they just talked about life and that kind of unplanned interaction that all Lisa needed to do was show up on time, which she did. And then she came ready to bring her full self to that conversation. She was calm and collected enough to talk and share and be vulnerable. And that seemed to me to be kind of that jump off for so many relationships and how Lisa viewed her life down 
or not her life, but how, how she viewed relationships moving forward, especially in mentoring. Uh -huh. And to me, that was just so clear about when you get the opportunity, take it. Yes. It Amen. So and that it's actually a great playbook for Lisa. And it's a great playbook for anybody. Mm -hmm. Lisa, definitely. It's the Lisa playbook, but you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. So you're welcome. Can't go wrong. And to wrap up, like Lisa's just got so much energy. It makes sense that she's our first guest to have the compound principles of vision and evolution because she really ties the chain together. There's no linear with Lisa. It's obviously always going around. Everything's connected. Time is not a flat circle to her. She's a full sphere. It was just very impressive to me about how that clarity of thought, the clarity of objectives would then lead to Lisa being selfless enough to realize that now that she's mostly a mentor, she shows up to chief to be around the younger people. And she gives us this wonderful example of kind of what Augmenters was founded on, which was the mentees have the power. Yes. You know, yes. The mentors, the mentors are there to learn and get excited and stay and stay connected so they can keep using their wealth of resources. But the mentees have the power. They're the ones that got to show up. They're the ones that need to use the playbook. They're the ones that need to kick their foot in the door and keep that door open and, and, and make it through. So I was just thrilled. And if you really want to talk about clarity of vision from Lisa, she's the only person ever to give four names in the rapid fire. She, <laughs> she had them did. Already. It was amazing. She did. She did. She was specific. She was very specific. It was, it was a lot of clarity for her. Yeah. I love that you got that much out of it. So hopefully our listeners did too. And keep listening, read Lisa's book, connect with her on LinkedIn and Augmenters out. Lisa, I hope to meet you sometime. Bye. Bye. Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya. Thank you.